following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Welcome to the show, episode 893 of I Doubted Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Dollimore, joined today by the lovely, talented, and indeed scholarly, Brittany Page, everybody. So we are team early Christmas tree putting up of the Christmas tree. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm kind of over my chromogeny not wanting a tree. Mm. I think we came to a... To a level-headed understanding about if we're going to have a tree, it's going to be a fake one because of the the mess that's involved with the real tree. Yeah, my preference is still a real tree. Yeah, because that's what we had growing up, and I loved vacuuming up all the pine needles. I loved vacuuming up the mess that wow. the tree would make. Yeah, because wow. it smelled amazing, and I loved vacuuming up things that <laughs> made right. noise when it went into the vacuum. That was very exciting. And can get quite dangerous when you have a kid who likes to vacuum up things that make noise yeah, when they right, go into the vacuum. Right. Oh, look at that pile of pennies on the carpet. So, so there were never a pile of money on the carpet, though. So the 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 the, the, the what once was yeah, and I use this word very very loosely contention between yes. us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, has now like when do we put it up? Yes, because we're both on board with the fake tree. Yeah, and we're being ridiculed by friends. Yes. Just vicious. Yeah. Vicious attacks from friends. Because ours is already up. In fact, it was a week ago. Yeah. Because we have people coming into town for Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. We're not even having Thanksgiving on the normal Thursday. We're having it on Friday. Mm -hmm. And we wanted the people, because we're not going to see them on Christmas, to, you know... We're in the Christmas deal, the spirit. Yes, exactly. And, you know, I don't know that one month is enough to have the tree up. It's a hassle getting it out of the box and putting it up. And so you want to tell me about it. You want it up for more than a month, I think, is is nice. But it's it's beautiful to look at. Sweepy loves looking at it. She loves to sit next to it. And it has a disco ball on top. It looks great. It smells great because it has some fake pine scented sticks inside of it that you can buy that really is that was the that's a deal breaker for me like if you're gonna have a tree you want it to smell christmasy you want it to smell it's like the conversation we had with somebody the other day about living in california for as long as we did and the south coast mall Mm -hmm. in costa mesa south coast plaza south coast plaza uh my first year there, it's, everything's decorated like it's a fucking winter wonderland. Oh my god, it's Christmas time, mm-hmm. and it's eighty degrees, and people are going out to the beach. Mm-hmm. It just it doesn't. There's something very unsettling about that for me, having grown up in an area where there was very likely snow going to happen on Christmas. Like that was a real like, oh, is it going to snow on Christmas? Yes, and now we live in an area where there's going to be snow on yeah, Christmas, maybe very a likely. lot this year. Yeah. Well, I'm bummed that we don't have the real Christmas tree because it could have been a nice opportunity to reenact some harrowing moments from my youth, including... you mean? No. Well, <laughs> my mom would always light our Christmas tree on fire in the backyard at, at the end what? of... Yeah, I don't know why. I don't like, really know. Like, as a protest? Fuck Christmas. I don't know. Oh, you mean after Christmas? Yeah, after Christmas, like, to get rid of it. And the <laughs> fence was painted using used motor oil. And my dad would change the oil in his car wow. and keep the the old motor oil, and then we would the kids would have to go out and paint the fence with the used motor oil. Was your dad uh, as a part time job? Was he an environmental activist? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was in between planting pipe bumps in the park. So um, he <laughs> it actually resulted in a nice look, a nice stained. Uh, look. Yeah, I it, bet it did. It really did. It yeah. looked nice. And the only thing that was dangerous is if you're lighting your Christmas tree on fire and it gets a little too close to, to the, the, motor, the oil motor oil fence, fence then 
things can go south quickly. You know, I've heard a lot of these stories before, and it, it, it never ceases to initiate in me a bit of wonder. And I don't mean like wonder as in, oh, I wonder if, like, actually, it kind of is like that. It's, I, 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 I marvel at the patience of who must have been your neighbors in the subdivision. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, oh, they're at it again, burning a fucking Christmas tree in the backyard. Oh, yeah. Oh, they're at it again, painting the fence with metal impregnated motor oil because mm-hmm. it's used. Uh huh. I'm glad, oh, I'm, at it again, <laughs> Nazi boxing match in the front yard. <laughs> I'm glad that you, when you hear these stories, the people that you have the most sympathy for are my neighbors. Well, obviously I have sympathy for you. That goes unsaid. <laughs> if I, if, Listen, if this show, if we dedicated time to the show about, oh my God, what a nightmare that must have been for you. Yeah, no. That's what the show would be about. Of course, we don't need that or want that but i'm with those neighbors yeah no it's a bummer for them i'm i would love to find them and talk to them about how that was for them so if they happen to be listening to this show reach out (laughs) because i was a kid i don't remember your names so okay good times so we have a lot of listener communication on this episode which is exciting and so we're going to start with this first voicemail from ellie in seattle Hey, Brittany and Jesse. Um, I love the show. I wondered your way after Jesse subbed for David Packman some time ago. Um, Brittany, I loved your piece on Housing First. Uh, as a therapist and someone who's experienced homelessness, I'm so grateful that you debunked the misinformation that the Young Turks was putting out there. Anyway, my question is, um, I'm wondering if you have any insight into why there aren't more women in the progressive media ecosystem. I mean, do you think it's anything more than just standard patriarchy? Uh, CYT has some more diverse voices, but they lost me when Kasparian proved herself a turf, and their growing narrative that Biden can't win is dangerous, and now Jank is running for president? Feels like they're selling out. Anyway, uh, my point is I don't watch them. So by my count, we've got you, Brittany, and Emma on the Majority Report, who's lucky to get a hashtag. Uh, and thank you for adding Brittany to the billing for the show. Uh, anyway, so that's two against a growing number of Brian Tyler Cohen and Pacman and Midas Touch and Farron Cousins and Liz Beasley and David Goel, and you get the picture. So is there anything we can do to center more diverse voices on the left? Uh, thanks so much, and keep up the great work. With love, from Ellie in Seattle. Notice that that long list of uh, white men didn't include me. Oh, Ellie, Aww. I'm a part of the problem too. <laughs> <laughs> well, first, thank you for your kind words about my video, Ellie, and thank you for your work as a therapist. That's awesome. Um, do I have insight into why there aren't more women? progressive commentators first let me say i love being in a category with emma vigilant um i really admire her she's very smart and i have watched clips of the majority report where people call in (laughs) and apparently they don't have a rule like we have on this show where we don't play voicemails unless someone (laughs) is addressing both of us because they will say hi sam blah 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 and emma's just sitting there yeah and i'm like wow Emma is I, I don't I don't watch the show a lot, but for me, she's just as much of a part of that show. Not a potted plant. Someone who actually has good shit to say. Yeah, so it, yeah. it would be strange to call that show knowing yeah. that Emma is sitting right there right. and just be like, Hi Sam, I'm just gonna talk to to Sam. Like that's weird. Um but I think that hopefully people can start noticing these instances of that happening and interrogate within themselves what is that impulse? And and we've talked about it on this show, like internalized misogyny, which I don't think is always the case, but it, it does come up. And I have struggled with internalized misogyny and I have had to grapple with, huh, am I having a negative reaction to this woman because of internalized misogyny and what I've been taught about society from society to harp on the way someone's voice sounds or to be like oh she's too confident I don't know if I like that she should know her role those kinds of things that we feel and we think on an unconscious level need to be interrogated a little bit and pulled apart and I think it's healthy for anyone to kind of look at the media landscape that they consume online and 
is it diverse? Are you looking for female political commentators online? Are you looking for commentators who are people of color online? Are you liking their tweets? Are you retweeting their tweets? Are you, you know, or whatever social media app we're currently using, are you helping to elevate and get that person's message out? Yeah. Those are important things to consider. And there are other commentators who are progressive who are women. I mean, there's a lot of people that the Young Turks have put out there and elevated. I know... Uh, like Nina Turner is one that comes to mind. I, I I don't know if she's still doing a YouTube channel. Um, there's people like Brianna Joy Gray. <laughs> yeah, well, let's talk about the ones who aren't just rabble rousing sellouts who are trying to sow chaos in our political system. Yeah, and that's the difficult thing too. I mean, you can find someone who will call themselves a leftist, but then they're like platforming RFK Jr. all the time. Yeah, and, and yeah. stuff like that. So, well, can I? I, I would say this that it's 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 difficult to find. I mean, there there when we moved from California to Washington D.C., we I searched for months in advance of us moving, trying to find someone to to sub for me for that week or week and a half or however long it was, and it was very difficult to find non just fucking white dudes in the space. Uh, I mean, the the problem is multifaceted. One is if they are in the space, they're likely busy doing their own thing and they don't have time to to to, to guest host. But then the other thing is we, I mean, we together looked for women who were up and comers because once they're established, it's hard to have someone guest. I would love the audience to sound off because this is still, we want to do a little, and this is, we're going back into like selfish territory here, but we want to do some traveling this year and I want someone to to take the helm and and promote some new and upcoming talent but it's it's very hard it's mm-hmm. hard mm-hmm. yeah so i i don't know if it's a disappointing answer to hear me really center like patriarchy and misogyny and internalized misogyny but i think that that is a big part of it and i i think for me personally i was afraid to put myself out there on youtube like that was a scary step for me because of the wrath that I thought was coming. <laughs> and did come. It's still. Yeah, but now I think it's funny if someone calls me a cunt or if someone, you know, has something negative to say. I I, I have been happy to find that it doesn't shake me yeah, yeah, <laughs> the yeah. way that I thought that it would. And but But I understand why it is scary for people to put themselves out there and put their faces online and think in public because you are going to have people who say you're stupid. We're going to be playing a voicemail of someone saying I'm stupid in just a little bit. <laughs> and, uh, you know, whatever comes with the territory. So it, it is difficult, but I I do want there to be more diverse voices. And I think that's important to both of us. So uh, we try to think about that in people that we invite on the show, in the interviews that we do, and we can certainly always be better about it. But... It, it's it's an ongoing goal that we have for sure. We would love recommendations, of course. Um, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo or just an email filled with female political commentators in this space. <laughs> that would be great. Um, thanks, Ellie. We appreciate the voicemail very much. Hi there. Can you tell Brittany that it's pronunciation, not pronunciation? Wow. First of all, uh, that's not over. I just stopped it. I hadn't heard this yet. <laughs> Why does he put so much stank on Brittany? Can you tell Brittany? Does he have... Wait a minute. Does, do, you, do you think he has contempt for women? I don't know. Does he... I don't think his misogyny is internalized. I think it's just <laughs> fucking there. Well, let's, let's listen to the voicemail. Hi there. Can you tell Brittany that it's pronunciation, not pronunciation... She normally sounds smart, so let her know. That doesn't sound too smart. Normally, she sounds smart. <laughs> Not normally, she is smart. It's uh, she, Normally, she sounds smart. Yeah, I can perform smartness. Yeah, wow. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, I will. Um, I was going to call you sir, but how about this, fucko? Uh, I will. She's right here with me. I can tell her. Hey, Brittany. Yeah. Over there. Hey, um, I just want to let you know it's... Not pronunciation, yes. it's pronunciation. Oh. And what this dipshit is talking about is, uh, last episode, I believe, mm-hmm. 
you went to say a word, and you ever do the thing where you you go to say like the uh, hi or howdy, and then you like combine the two words. Mm-hmm. I've never said howdy before, but that kind of a thing. That's what happened with you. You were gonna say something about pr- pronouncing it, and then it came out pronunciation mm. as though you don't know how to pronounce the word. And and even if you didn't, fuck off. Fuck off. Yeah. No, I think I might. I think I might not have been aware of how to pronounce the word. Oh, think, is that right? I think that's very possible, actually. Um, because I started thinking about it. We actually got hundreds of comments and messages and voicemails about this. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not joking. People took time out of their day to email and obviously call and <laughs> write me messages about how I set this word incorrectly and how it's urgent. It's an urgent matter that I correct the record. So... Yeah, I maybe I I don't know. I think yeah, it's possible that I didn't know that you're supposed to pronounce it pronunciation, which matches the spelling. And normally I pronounce words incorrectly because I learned them by reading them and not hearing them. And not hearing them, correct. So Which explain the difference between that. A lot of people don't they they're not thoughtful enough some people. Some people. Mm-hmm. S- some people. Yeah who go off half-cocked in fucking voicemails, um, they wouldn't understand that if you if you learn by just reading, you have to navigate pronunciation, both the word and the concept, internally. Inside your silent brain, you have to figure out how something would be pronounced. And as anybody knows who knows anything about the English language, not always fucking straightforward, cool guy. Yeah, and that's why, listen, I'm playing this because ultimately I I think it's funny, and I'm showing solidarity with people who have been mocked for pronouncing words incorrectly, for not knowing what words mean. I, Neither of my parents graduated high school. I have a graduate degree now, but that doesn't mean that I know how to pronounce every word or that I'm not going to mess things up. In fact, there are many times on the show where I pause and I, I have to say, is how do you pronounce this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes I play it so I can hear it before I say it. And then we edit that out, of course. Well, sometimes if you're look, this happens to me too. And you know what word fucks me up? If I'm saying scourge, I know the word scourge, but I'm looking at scourge. Yeah. And I pull a Donald Trump and, and, and almost say scourge. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's the same, same reason. Didn't grow up in a household with people with elevated vocabularies. You mm-hmm. know, it's, it's a deficit that poor kids largely face. Yeah, absolutely. So solidarity with everyone in that situation. I don't feel shame, even though this guy like <laughs> wants it Brittany. to illustrate something about my level of intelligence. I don't feel shame about it. In fact, in my, my friend groups, we often laugh and tell stories about times that we have mispronounced words. Yeah. And a popular story that we always tell is when I pronounced Yosemite Yosemite. Mm-hmm. And I was on a plane reading a book and I saw Yosemite and I, I think I leaned over to you and I said Yosemite and you're like, what did you just say? <laughs> <laughs> but I had never seen Yosemite written yeah, out. Right. And well, so- at least you didn't pull, again, the Donald Trump, Yosemite. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, another one that I get, um, and it, there's, I, th- I think it's one person who consistently, every time they watch a video where I, where I say often, apparently they think that's mispronounced. They say, no, the T is silent. The word often? Often. You're supposed to, so how are you supposed to say it? Often. I don't fucking buy that. Huh. But there's all kinds of gr- grammarians or whatever, people who are going to be not taking into account that there are multiple regions across the country where words are pronounced differently. The other word that I don't pronounce the way I was raised is creek. I don't call it a crick. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, right. the, yeah. often, often... Yeah. Fuck, calm down, everybody. Well, and we have a drop, too. That- and by everybody, I mean the pricks who take it upon themselves to be... Gram- grammar cops. Yeah, well, and we um, had a drop for a long time. I don't know if we still have it, where I was trying to read the word anonymity. 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 We have it. Do you want me to play <laughs> it? just happened? Anonymity. Am I saying it right? Anonymity, yeah. yeah. Okay, and I couldn't say it because I was reading it, and I, I don't have the word in front of me right now, but 
it has a lot of like ins and o's in it and like too many i think for how the word is said and <laughs> and i struggled to say it i'm trying to give you time to find I, I it i don't have it on this computer yeah and we used to play that and make fun of it so again just solidarity with people who have been who have number 1 struggled to read who have struggled to learn a new language have been shamed or mocked for saying a word in- incorrectly or not knowing the meaning of I a word. It. I have been in situations where someone will say a word that I don't know and I will ask, what is that word? Yeah. I don't have any shame on asking what words mean. And I think that that should be normalized. I mean, sometimes you'll catch someone using a word and they don't even know what it means and that'll be fun, right? You ready for this? I was looking in the wrong folder. Okay, let's do it. Quote, a nominate, a nominate, Anonymity. Anonymity. Anonymity? Anonymity. <laughs> that was probably within the first 50 shows. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was letting you work through it. I didn't know what word because you were reading from a, an article or something. Yeah. And I, here's, here's I like, what is shocking about this is like when I take the GRE and the GRE has been a hindrance for me because there's three sections on the GRE. The GRE is the graduate records examination. It's the test that you take, the standardized test that you take to get into graduate school. And there's three sections. There's the quantitative reasoning, which is math. There is the verbal reasoning, which is a lot of vocabulary, reading, reading comprehension. And there is essay writing. Now, on the essay writing section, I get like a perfect score. I get like one away from a perfect score. On the verbal reasoning, I score very highly. My quant is what the problem is, math. And yeah. so it's shocking to me <laughs> and probably for other people to hear uh, that, you know, I'm struggling in this way, as you just heard with reading at times, <laughs> and I'm still able to score highly when it comes to reading comprehension and writing. But, you know, it's, I think speaking words sometimes is different than reading comprehension. Also, people need to come down off their fucking high horse about shit like that. Yeah. So anyway, solidarity with everyone out there who is in my predicament. And thank you for the voicemail and the correction. It, it's uh, very well received. That's prick shit, bro. That's <laughs> prick shit. Hey, guys. It's Carissa. I was just at my local library and Jesse, Brittany... We're saying old sex. <laughs> Mommy? Yes, honey? What's anal sex? Some of the, speaking of comments, by the way, some of the comments from that last segment, which, by the way, people fucking ate up on YouTube. They loved it. Mm-hmm. N- not to put eaten up and anal sex in the same uh, sentence, but... Oh, boy. The thing that people... Uh, spoke about or wanted to highlight was the fake kid voice and i didn't really hear the fakeness of the kid voice until just now oh really yeah that it's absolutely mommy what's anal sex mommy mommy yes honey what's anal sex like that's probably the same lady doing both voices very creepy Very, very creepy. But now we have a new drop. And Carissa, thank you, because that gave us a very uh, hearty laugh. And it's it's a it's a new drop in a, an accompaniment to this one. Until they anally enter each other. Who you knew? Know, we're going to get new listeners that are like, what is this show? <laughs> no, truly, what is going on on this show? We are a show about politics. Trust me. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Carissa. Carissa, this Carissa. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. We, uh, as always, love and appreciate you. All right, final, no, not final voicemail. Tommy in Wisconsin. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Brittany. Tommy in Wisconsin. I'm going to try not to rant here, but uh, I just watched Brittany's video on homeless people, you know, under her uh, criticisms of Anna Kasparian. And I live in a very poor county in Wisconsin. And ironically, votes probably 65 to 75% Republican every time. But uh, in any case, you know, my area, we have a local Angels Facebook page, and people go on there and get rid of 
things they don't need anymore. People ask for things. Some people are asking for food because their EBT card renewal doesn't come till whatever date. And there's way too many people on here demeaning poor people. Like, they can just fuck straight off, quote from Jesse, because, yes, are there people on there that are probably panhandling for used items or whatnot, but most of them are fucking struggling. And everybody else on there that's like, live within your means, or God forbid you have tattoos and cigarettes. Like, fuck you guys, because you don't know their struggles. You don't know what they're dealing with or what they're not. You don't know their story, but everybody's quick to... And I understand you want to judge those people that are taking advantage of the system, a very small portion of it, but all you really end up doing is demeaning the people that actually need it. And then you're voting to take away help from people that actually fucking need it. And it's a crock of shit, and the Republicans in Wisconsin can, again, quote Jesse, fuck straight off. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Uh, I know I've said Brittany is the best part, but it could be sweepy. All right, love you guys. Thank you. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. If only Sweepy knew how loved she was. <laughs> she knows. <laughs> she knows. Yes, Tommy, I I totally agree. One of the frustrating things about being online during the holidays is that you start to see people share their contempt of people who are struggling. And it's something that has bothered me about the holidays for a long time. And I... I don't spend a lot of time on Facebook anymore. I primarily use it for um, the messaging app and like we send links back and forth to kind of track what we're going to talk about. And I used to see church people on there uh, when I went to church, church people from the church that I went to when I was a kid, um, sharing things where they would they would speak contemptuously of of poor people. And it always bothered me because I was the poor kid at church. And my family was helped in so many ways during the holidays by church people, whether it was um, cash being put into the kitchen drawers during Bible studies that my mom would have at the house or um, donating holiday meals and turkeys being given to us or ham or just gifts of clothes and, and making it special where otherwise it would be a dark time. And it it seems strange that people can't find their compassion for people who are struggling. And let's just say, like... Especially during this time of season, which is about giving and selflessness and charity. Right. (laughs) And even if you can't find compassion for adults who are struggling, I would hope that you can at least find compassion for the kids who are struggling in families where it's not their fault. I mean, they happen to have been born into a family where they're not being adequately cared for. And they shouldn't be punished for that because you have contempt for their parents yeah, and their parents' choices. They're not at fault for that. Even if you can't find compassion for those adults, you shouldn't be then taking it out on the kids who are going to be suffering in that situation. And I'm happy to hear there's a group that that you belong to, Tommy, that is, you know, trying to help people during the holidays. And I know that, uh, Jesse, we've been having conversations about what else we can do during the holidays to to help people. And I would hope to those listening to this who aren't struggling themselves, because we know we have people in the audience who are homeless, who are struggling financially. Um, If you are in a position to whether it's donating your money, donating your time during the holiday season, I think it's a it's a good time to start thinking about what you can do. Yeah, this is one of the one of the many but uh, deleterious effects, the sinister effects of um, the whole talk track about the American dream. That if you work hard, blah 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 you will achieve la da 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 i'm i'm another example of the american dream i will put my head down and i worked hard and i achieved well that indicates that if you work hard and you don't achieve that you didn't work hard enough and that's a that's a problem and mm-hmm. people take that into their normal lives and look at someone who's struggling in in homelessness 
who's struggling, just languishing in poverty and like, well, they're clearly not working hard when all of the data, all of the research, everything points to the fact that people who are who are working in poverty work their fucking asses off. They, Absolutely. They, they work their, themselves to the bone, sometimes work themselves to death. It's not for a lack of work ethic. It's because the system that provides this nebulous American dream keeps its fucking boot on the neck of poor people. It's very, very difficult to overcome it. So, yeah, people need to be better. I mean, there's you, you said everything that needed to be said. Yeah, it's it's frustrating. And I, I also, you know, on Facebook, that's not really a place. I, I used to believe you could challenge people on there and, and that there would be changing of hearts and minds. I don't know that it's possible anymore. I, mean, I just challenge him to fuck straight off. Yeah, I mean, it seems like Tommy's there too with you right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I... Hey, hey, I got an idea. How about you fuck straight off? Yeah, I think in your personal life, if you hear people talk like this about poor people, then... It is a useful exercise to challenge it. And honestly, that's why I talk so much about being raised poor and what my experience was because I... Which is another thing you get told to stop talking about. Yeah, I was actually funny. (laughs) There was a... We were with friends the other day or whatever, and I was just kind of casually telling a story from my childhood. And you and I were laughing and we look across the table and one of the friends says, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to say to that. Yeah. (laughs) And I had a moment where I was like, you know, it it is strange when you start connecting with people who, like, don't share your socioeconomic status, like, who are kind of, they they were raised differently, they were in a different echelon, they were just, they can't even understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they can tell stories about things I don't understand, but I don't sit there and go, yeah, I don't know how to respond to you like going on vacation and right. being able to like just have all this income and like your parents giving you money. And I, I don't, how do I respond to that? Yeah. You not needing to work until one or two in the morning as a young teenager. So your house didn't but like, get foreclosed But on. people can't handle listening to stories of poor people yeah, for some yeah, reason. Yeah. And I, I just think it needs to be normalized. Yeah. You, you changed this for me. Wow. This episode's going great. Uh, I mean, this is just like a we're all in all kinds of territory that we wouldn't even we might not even get to topics. Um, I used to be someone who didn't talk about my poor background mm-hmm. because of some, you know, I think, again, programmatic shame that came with being poor when it wasn't my fucking fault we were poor. I, I don't even know that it was my mom's fault for being poor. Mm-hmm. It was just the, what it was. Right. And. Now I'm open about it. Like when we have guests on or we talk to people, we'll say the same thing. Yeah, we both of us grew up really poor and some people do get uncomfortable with like, this is not normal. Yeah. And it should be normal to just talk about something that there's no shame in. Right. And let me distinguish this because there's this phenomenon called trauma dumping. And I'm not talking about like trauma dumping because I can understand how all that... we got to eat were bowls of cockroaches. Yeah, no, I can, <laughs> I can understand how that would make someone uncomfortable, and they'd say, "I don't know, like, what to say to that." You know, there's so much about my past that I have never talked about on this show yeah. that I do not talk about uh, because it would be considered trauma dumping. Yeah, even if I think I should be able to talk about it, I know that there's certain things that are going to be shocking. So I'm distinguishing between like a normal poor person experience that is being shared and like trauma dumping on someone. And I think you should be able to just talk about your experiences in the same way that other people are allowed to talk about their experiences. Even if I don't understand it, I don't get to sit there and say, I don't really know how to respond to that. Yeah. I just roll with it, you know? Oh, cool. So tell me more about traveling and not having to worry about anything. I don't <laughs> I oh, would your, love to hear about your that. Your first car was purchased for you. Fantastic. <laughs> Let's really hear about it. <laughs> uh, thank you, Tommy in Wisconsin, continuing to be a decent person, not fucking straight off. All right, final voicemail. Hey, Jesse and Brittany, it's Ben in Knoxville. And, I, you know, uh, I'm not calling for any specific reason. This is probably going to be a short call, but I I'm hoping that you talk about this on uh, maybe your next podcast. I, I don't think I've, I've really heard you guys talk too much about what's going on right now with uh, Israel and Palestine, um, you know, and how that's going to affect, you know, how obviously Biden's uh, 
in a lot of polls and battleground states, Biden has fallen behind Trump, and, which is horrifying. Um, you know, there's everything going on in the Senate with uh, uh, the uh, different politicians and where they stand uh, on Israel-Palestine, how Bernie has it is for some reason, well, I, I don't, we know there's the re, a reason and probably what the reason is. He refuses to use the word ceasefire, um, which is very disappointing. Um, so, yeah, just anyway, just would love to hear you guys talk about it and, and hear what your thoughts are on the whole uh, situation there. Personally, uh, I think um, I completely get uh, Hamas is a horrible uh, organization, a terrorist organization, but what uh, Israel is doing right now to Palestinians, Palestinians is genocide, and it's, uh, it's 10,000 dead in Palestine right now, and that's, that is only, from what I understand, the bodies they have found. It doesn't include people that are probably still buried under the rubble. Uh, children, grandparents, you know, at a certain point, you're just committing mass murder. You're no longer defending yourself. You're no longer defending your nation. And, uh, you know, that, that's how I look at it. And just would love to hear your opinion as well. Have a good one. Yeah, so there's definitely a lot here. I will say, I think one reason that we haven't spent a ton of time talking about this, we have definitely talked about it. We have encouraged the audience to call their representatives in Congress and demand a ceasefire. We have continued to push that. We've heard from many listeners who have said that they actually did call and demand for a ceasefire. Some said that it was the first time they had ever made a call to their representatives. Yeah, that says a lot. That's really great. But... Uh, let's let's go back because Biden has said a few days ago he said that there's no chance of a ceasefire. Yeah, he was widely criticized for that. There is some reporting that uh, Israel and Hamas have reached a tentative five day ceasefire deal for the release of hostages. That's tentative, and apparently that was um, brokered by the United States. The United States helped facilitate that, and Biden. When we look at polling for young people in particular, among voters ages between 18 and 34, 70% of them disapprove of his handling of the war. When we're looking at his reelection chances and all of these polls coming out about how he's doing in matchups with Donald Trump, and we can take into consideration that the election is one year away. Also, the, take into consideration that the polls in this latest slate of elections were fucking way off. Way off. Yeah, you also did a video, Jesse, about one of the recent polls showing... New York Times, Siena College, yeah. Yeah, and a significant portion of those within the poll didn't even vote in the last election, right? In some of the questions, like 63% didn't even vote in 2020. So... Some of the some of the methodology is absolutely flawed in in, in a lot of these polls. Yeah. yeah, and and one of one of the additional reasons that we haven't talked about the issue, um, the Israel Gaza conflict, a lot is because there is a lot of moving parts and a lot of information comes out, and we don't want to report on it and then have to correct all of the information that we reported. Like I'll give an example of the um, the the hospital, the Al Shifa hospital, where. Israel is bombing the hospital, and they're saying they're doing that because Hamas is operating in the basement of the hospital. And so you have an automatic divide where people are saying um, Israel's doing this for a reason because Hamas is in the hospital. They're using people as human shields. So they have no choice but to kill the shields to get to Hamas. Right. Yeah. And then you have people saying... But was the sarcasm thick enough that people could sense it? It definitely was. Yeah, good. And then you have people saying, like, number one, there's no excuse, even if Hamas yeah. is is in the basement. Uh, but also, oh, okay, well, let's see what the evidence is that Hamas is in the basement. And so you have the Washington Post reporting this week on the 16th that the Israeli raid of the Al-Shifa hospital, it was in its second day, according to this reporting, and that the Israeli troops were still searching for evidence of what they thought was an extensive Hamas infrastructure 
um, that both Israel and the United States have said lies beneath that facility. So they were in their second day trying to find and this no, no extensive... Well, I, I don't see an update to this article. It was on the 16th. But I did find an opinion article that was written by Kathleen Parker. And this was from uh, the 17th. And let me just read you the first sentence here, okay? <laughs> With Israel's release of a video taken inside Gaza's Al-Shifa hospital, where weapons and other evidence confirmed that Hamas probably was using the hospital as a shield. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> <laughs> Did you catch that? <laughs> I, yeah, but I think, did I get it wrong? Read it again, the, just that part. Uh, other evidence can con- search, where weapons and other evidence confirm that Hamas probably was the using... Ev- the yes. evidence confirms... Wait, wait, wait. The evidence confirms that that is probably there. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, so... Well, can I, can I, about the numbers... Also, and the, I, I will. I mean, we've we have to, uh, you must have missed an episode, Ben, because we have talked about this a few times um, about the numbers specifically. Referencing the numbers that Ben referenced, right? Yeah, like the the, the over ten thousand people dead. Right. right. Um, one, let, I'll just stay, say for the record, uh, Hamas is a terrorist organization. What took place? The killings of twelve hundred, fifteen, seventeen hundred, however many Israelis that were killed is a fucking travesty and a terrorist attack. Yes. And so are the thousands and thousands, however many thousands, of non-combatant Palestinians who have been killed at the hands of the IDF. Full stop. But the problem lies in, in, in also, oh, and also, I think Biden is wrong to say, never, there won't be a ceasefire. I think it's shitty. It alienates him from a voting block that he fucking desperately needs. But these numbers are in question. They absolutely are. We don't know if it's 11,000 or 15,000, but even if it's even if it's a tenth of that, and 1,500 kids have been killed directly through the targeting of Hamas in like refugee camps and other areas around the Gaza Strip, that's a problem. So because of all the moving parts and who do we trust, who do we go to, I don't fucking trust the IDF and the Israeli military to give us the straight scoop on what's going on. They're absolutely um, utilizing propaganda to make their case. And do I trust a terrorist organization to tell the truth about what, what the numbers are? No, I don't. So it's an impossible situation. But there's one thing that's not impossible, and that's to come to the conclusion that whether or not they're being used as human shields, civilians should not be targeted. It's a fucking war crime. It's a war crime to turn off power and electricity and food and water to the Gaza Strip. It's a fucking war crime. But some things we need to, to to be able to work through. And for me, it's the larger concepts that are easy for me. Whether or not it's 11,000 or 1,100 doesn't really matter to me. It's the larger concepts that guide me that, yeah, genocide is bad. Wait, you, it's not genocide. There's a definition of genocide. All right, killing innocent kids is bad. <laughs> Was that an impression of the the second voicemail that we played? No, but uh, that uh, kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> also, like the the de- like people on the left are getting hung up on. We need to call for a ceasefire. Call for a ceasefire. But and then if you don't say ceasefire, then you're part of the problem. When Israel, do they have a right to defend themselves as a nation? Yes. Fuck yeah. Full stop. But in 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 working through that defense of themselves. Does that include killing innocent, non-combatant children and women? No, it, it doesn't include that. So I'm not going to, yeah, Israel, they need to stop killing kids. Yes. But do they need to stop defending themselves and killing terrorists? No. They have a right to defend themselves, but they have a right to do it the right way through mechanisms that have come been come to by the agreements of civilized nations to not kill non-combatants to not target hospitals, to not uh, target churches. 
And if you need to adjust the way you fight your war and not drop more bombs in, in, in two weeks than were dropped in Afghanistan in a year, then you need to adjust your warfighting method. And Israel is not some underdeveloped, underfunded nation that doesn't really have what it takes to get it done. There's one thing Israel knows how to fucking do, and that's stand up an army and fight. They have the, the means, they have the, the, the willingness, they have the technology to do just that. If you need to go door to door, you fucking go door to door and make sure you're not killing kids en masse. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Well, and it's it's strange because the the polls that have been taken in the weeks after the um, October seventh Hamas attack show that like two thirds of Israelis wanted to see Netanyahu replaced. Yes, he's not popular. No, nor is his policy of having bolstered Hamas to sow division among Palestinians, and that's something that I don't think is talked about enough in the media. I mean, you'll see it like it's in the bottom of this Washington Post reporting. And John Oliver mentioned it kind of, you know, an offhand remark in his great segment on the Israel and Hamas uh, conflict. But for people who have this support of Israel, where they are not critical of Israel at all, and they're just whatever Israel is going to do, we support. They have a right to do it. Yeah. And we're, we're happy to support it. No criticism for Israel. Um, Two-thirds of Israelis want Netanyahu replaced. They have criticism for for Netanyahu yeah. and, and his policies. So, you know, people like Amy Schumer, uh, Michael Rappaport, all these celebrities that are coming out and just, woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> Whatever Israel wants to do. I mean, think about people that are actually in Israel and how they feel about these policies. They don't feel that this is making them safer. It's not making the world safer. Yeah, it it's a very strange thing that this is brought out uh, in people. I, I I never imagined a time where, for the most part, like minded people would make the 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 leap in logic, make the argument that, well, yeah, it's bad that kids are killed, but they have to be killed because there's terrorists standing behind them. They're being used as a human shield. Israel has no choice, no other choice but to murder children because they're being used as human shields. I, it, it saddens me. I, I, it, it, I'm, I'm perplexed by it. Well, and we talked about it a few days ago where if there was a school shooting, for example, in the United States, like is relatively common, if there were kids being held hostage... And the cops decided to just open fire and kill all of the kids that were in a classroom in in order to kill the shooter. Right. Or if they decided to bomb the school because he was holding the kids hostage and killed all the kids. No one would find that acceptable. No one would find that an acceptable method of getting rid of that shooter. I would have thought that a month ago. I would have thought that. But now, who who fucking knows what kind of le- leaps in logic people will make to excuse the the side they've taken? Mm-hmm. I, it's fucking it's a bummer because yes, who would justify that? Right. God damn. Yeah, I mean, it comes back to viewing the population as other. It's, that is exactly what it is. Is that they're not worthy of defense? That's a that's a little brown Palestinian child. Eh, little worth. Yeah, they are just a just a shield, a human shield. Eh, we're not going to even focus on the human part, though. That, yeah, they're being used as a shield. We can get rid of them. If Hamas doesn't think they're worthy of life, why should Israel think they're worthy of life? So that we're going to take on terrorist thoughts and logic. I mean, it just none of it makes any fucking sense to me. And uh, you know, the Milgram experiment has been debunked or whatever. But it makes me think that people will adopt terrible, horrible, genocidal positions when backed into their corner and um, their team is under attack. It's fucking very weird to me. Let's also say that 40 members of Congress are now calling for a ceasefire. 
And I mean, I think a lot of this is in response to just the majority of Americans support a ceasefire. Recent polls showing 68% of Americans back a ceasefire, including around 75% of Democrats and even 50% of Republicans. Well, I would say I support a ceasefire given that Israel on its own cannot modulate or regulate the killing of innocent non-combatant children and women and men, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I go with the women and children thing because it, it pulls on heartstrings. But if they can't get it together, then there needs to be a ceasefire. Mm-hmm. And it, every IDF guy I see on CNN or MSNBC who's justifying the carnage, apparently they're not able to. Mm-hmm. So, Well, and we posted on our I Doubt It pages an analysis from the civilian harm watchdog Air Wars, and this was shared with NPR, and NPR... Uh, posted it in an article that in the first week after Israel began telling civilians to move south, the bombardment on those areas increased. So, you know, they keep saying, well, we're giving them time to evacuate. We're telling them, you know, to evacuate. And then we're bombing the place we're telling them to go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and again, there's a lot of moving parts. And one of the things we take very seriously on the show is that there's very few things we've had to correct over the years. And we've been doing this for almost 10 years. And we choose our sources um, in a way that has prevented us from having to correct things. And we're very thoughtful about what we talk about and what we choose to platform and what we choose not to. We're not quick to have a position and jump to talking about something before what we feel the facts are have come in. And we'd probably be a lot more popular if we did that. Yeah, <laughs> because that's yeah. what generates the clicks. Yeah. And we saw that early on, but it makes us uncomfortable. And so... We have taken the approach of, okay, we can see the writing on the wall here, and what can we do with our platform? We can encourage our audience to call their representatives and call for a ceasefire because that's the right thing to do. Um, aside from that, you know, we we talked about some of the reporting this week, presented that because we feel solid in that. And other than that, we're taking it slow on on what we're we're choosing to cover but i know other outlets are out there covering stuff i wouldn't trust cnn i i wouldn't trust a lot of the the big networks on this issue uh just given who they choose to platform and the little pushback that they the little pushback so you got to be careful especially when you're dealing with this for sure well this turned into an all listener communication uh, episode i love it because we covered a ton of ground and a ton of different topics just based on questions and comments from the audience uh, if you too would like to sound off get your your voice on the record get your question or comment on the record it is 657-464-7609 of course you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to i doubt it at dollamore.com We would encourage you to consider supporting this work. You can help produce this content by going to patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast and become a a, a patron on Patreon. We love you guys. We'll see you next time. Until then, for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It.